This is exactly right. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome to I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And we're here to discuss film for film people and non-film people, right? And, can, can, and movies. Can I call yeah. them movies? Movie, wait, are movies films? <laughs> are they motion pictures? Let's do motion know. pictures. Let's bring motion pictures back. I'm going to, <laughs> you, going to the talkies. You know, there's so many people that say... Like people are like, I love this film. I love this movie. And then there's like other branches of like, you know, motion pictures, uh, cinema, like just which is a, a weird just saying cinema is weird. Can you just just imagine sitting next to someone like, What did you do last night? I went to the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> You're like <laughs> Or they talk you also, a- you also popped up here at a nineteen twenty three. Like, what's up? <laughs> well, right. And then I started thinking about how Peter Bogdanovich, the director Peter Bogdanovich, always says pictures. He's like, I love that picture. That was a good picture. And I'm like, I could never say that. Like, I don't have the, I just don't have the balls to say it. I don't yeah. have the the, the right the to say it. <laughs> the gravitas. I feel like the only people that say that are like old guys and ascots, you know, yep. and, and my grandma. Patches. Yeah, and, and my grandma. grandma. She's always go- that's a good picture, and I'm like, mm, all right. She's she, that's what they grew up saying, I guess. Yeah, I can't even say it like ironically. I just can't. I know. It just sounds I too know. weird. Um, so I'm okay with either. How was your week? How was your week? What's going on in uh, good old Florida? Oh my gosh, I uh, well, I'm sorry if I was late at all. Actually, I think I might have been early today, but I was literally checking my temperature like five times before I showed up to this because <laughs> I was like, do I have a fever? And as it turns out, no, I'm just hot because Florida is 100 degrees. Well, I mean, it's crazy because it's like I grew up in the South, right? Like I know a thing or two about humidity. And I mean, L.A. is hot on certain months, like desert hot, though. It's like... um. You walk into the shade and it's like 30 degrees cooler. Right. Like Florida, the South is like, there's no relief. Like right. you can't even, you really just have to walk into like the most air conditioned building of all time in order to feel happiness. But um, I mean, I was like, and on top of that, it's like, I think like most people with parents, like this house is hot all the time. Oh yeah. Parents cannot get their shit together when it comes to controlling a temperature they do they just want if the thermostat could just say suffering year round it would just be set to suffering you're either too hot or too cold but either way they're not fucking with their bill 
I do, and that's the funny thing too is because I've tried to understand this because to be honest they weren't actually not they were not like anti AC people when I was growing up and but there was always like maybe a little bit hotter like the house was always kind of on the hotter side but not where you're like sweating in your sleep um and you know my parents are they're both from like southern hot foreign climates so i'm like maybe they just like are they just don't like <laughs> cold but this is a next level where it's like like at least 82 degrees in here and i'm sweating all the time oh. and i just feel hot and so that's why i was like okay do i have a fever like what's going on here as it turns out no i'm just you could somebody's running a dryer <laughs> Somebody walks through the room and now I'm sweating. <laughs> they added their body temperature to the existing climate. I, I definitely grew up in a non-AC household, um, meaning we didn't even have AC in my house. We had wow. like a box fan that you could put downstairs in yeah. the living room window. Um, and my grandma would run it at night while she was watching TV and then turn it off. And I was like, yeah. this is not how any of this works. But it was also like a small town, so we could like sleep with our windows open. But at that point, you're just yeah. letting the, the the heat in. And we had an old dilapidated, dilapidated barn in our backyard. And it was just like where all the animals played and hung out. And like, you want to think like, oh, it's like a little Richard Scary novel. No, it was like possums <laughs> and disgusting, hard, like skunks. And they would just like get together and have this funk like so all summer was just this wave of funk coming in the window and i would i would lay in my bed and just sweat like my own body shape into the sheets and be like i gotta get out of here i, I, I can't like can't live like this. i know <laughs> truly nothing worse than like sweating in a bed like oh, oh my god i'd god. rather be sleeping in antarctica with no covers i just <laughs> i can't take it and like the and the thing is is that when i moved to la like most places in la don't have air conditioning you're lucky if you have a window unit right um but you know in in georgia you have to have air conditioning like I, it feels well, yeah. like a non-option you well know? everyone and everyone would die like anyone over the age of 50 would die in georgia if they didn't have ac going I will tell you, though, when I was in my 20s, I think I was it was, it was like my first apartment that I ever lived in by myself. Um, I lived in an apartment in Georgia that didn't have central air. And it was I literally it was like I should have just sued that landlord for not giving us <laughs> air because I was like. And at the time, I'm like, you know, like 22 or 24. And I'm like, I don't want anything. I'm just like, well, I guess if it's hot enough, I'll just take my entire bed and push it into the living room where there's a fan. Oh, and I would do this for like six to eight months of the year. So I don't understand. But anyway, I hindsight, I, hindsight yeah. is is incredibly litigious. Isn't that the same? <laughs> litigious. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly but like yeah so how how is it going with you like how's I'm, la i'm all right you're not missing anything um okay, I, went out, <laughs> I went outside today to get my mail and um you know like okay you know you've been in my house i've like a living on one-way street and it's, you know whatever i don't talk to any of my neighbors it's fine um i went outside and there was this car parked in front of my house and the trunk was open and there was a guy standing outside and a woman standing across from him neither one wearing masks of course Ooh. and he was holding this like old like velvet and metal it looked like an instrument of some kind but it could have been like a calliope because i don't know what the hell those look like, like it was just some old Wait, what's thing a calliope? 
It's like <laughs> exactly. my stupid. Like, no, it's like the the music thing that plays in the background of merry-go-rounds and shit. Oh shit! He was, like, <laughs> he was holding. He was holding it, and he was just like, "Yeah, isn't this cool?" He was like moving some parts on it, and she was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And I I said out loud. <laughs> Like before I could even stop myself, I just said, I got to get out of here. Like I have never <laughs> lived in a place that is more diametrically opposed to who I am as a person, but I don't need to walk out of my house and see a fucking old school calliope squeeze box and people being like, oh my God, I love it. I love it. So I couldn't, I couldn't do it today. I was, and I'm like, put your fucking masks on if you're going to be squeezing a box out in front of my house too, please. Oh God. And just to be like, yeah, uh, that seems like an essential thing to be leaving the house for is to get this like turn of the century uh <laughs> music machine or whatever in, in the year of our lord 2020 while a goddamn pandemic is happening you're out here with no masks on just to pick up this piece of tin that you think looks cool because what practical uses i have in your life right now zero well, it's I'm just gonna I'm... hang out in your house you can't even have parties and show it off right now it's just gonna be some piece of shit in your house so she, of course she has to act excited about it because she's like yeah this is he's putting this in the trunk it's coming into our house i can't stop this yeah it's amazing it's amazing so the, so, yeah. so the calliope industry has not suffered at all in the pandemic at Are all we... it's okay. on the uptick Good it's on know. the uptick <laughs> other than that i'm still i'm still upset we talked on tuesday so you already know about this but um I'm still mad about my grocery delivery for this week. I um I use a, a grocery delivery service and I try to use it as much as possible because, you know, again, I'm yeah. the only person in LA who's still in lockdown. And <laughs> <laughs> you guys will get back. So I've been getting my groceries delivered. And I just I have to say, every time I have I use this service and my driver is male, I know my shit's gonna be fucked up. Uh-huh. Every single, I mean, every delivery has something wrong with it. They forget things, whole whole cart, you know, just forget things. Um, I got some yogurt once, like little cups of yogurt, and four of them were just dented and smushed and like oozing out of the side. And I'm like, you couldn't get it from the store to your car to my house in one piece? Like, oh, something. Who's the best delivery person is it like an older woman like who's like on average who would be the best delivery person on it can't average, be a guy would, a young guy <laughs> seem, it seems bad right young guys no get them out of my face i think an old yeah like an older woman and actually any woman but especially an older <laughs> woman and i know this is sexist as hell like women be shopping but i truly think that most women i've had who've delivered my groceries have gotten it right every time the replacements are on point and they ask me questions. Yeah. Every dude is just zipping around the store, throwing shit in the cart, not looking at it, which is how I ended up with three turnips. I <laughs> asked for sweet potatoes and this motherfucker brings me turnips. And I'm like, all right, well, I know not a lot of people cook. Not a lot of people like to cook or know what food looks like. I get it. I get it. If you can't fix your mouth to ask someone in that goddamn store send me a picture and be like, is this it? Because the app is based on that. Like, you can send me pictures, we can chat, we can talk. Don't just pick up three fucking turnips and then just give them to me like that's what I asked for because now I'm looking up recipes for turnips. I'm, I grew up on welfare. We don't waste food. Well, so I have a, to use these pieces of a shit. Simple, yeah, yeah. A simple Google search, though, yeah. 
like i do that shit all the time like i'm in whole foods i'm like what are these fancy ingredients i i still get like rhubarb and rutabaga confused so every time yeah. i'm like oh i need to google what this is because i want to know what it looks like you think what? i know what to do with a romanesco <laughs> i don't know what to do with that shit but i wouldn't buy it and bring it to your house and be like here i got you this strawberry bunch like <laughs> i don't know what the hell i'm doing with that shit so I'm just now I'm just, I'm just mad because I had to like look up recipes for turnips like I was a fucking pilgrim. <laughs> it ruined my like a three pilgrim meal. with the internet, <laughs> a pilgrim <laughs> with with strong Wi-Fi because I don't know what to do with them because I've never cooked with them before. Well, you better fucking hope Mario with the raccoon tail comes along and tries to get those turnips because otherwise you're just going to be sitting in your kitchen rotting. Growing roots, like just stretching out towards the sun in my windowsill. Like, I don't know what to do with these shits. <laughs> I'm going to turn them into art. They're now kitchen art. They're kitchen art. Oh my God. We all God. need kitchen art, so. Ugh. All right. So for this week, our theme is kind of like you know, we always joke about how, like, every theme is going to be a recurring theme because we just, like, keep watching movies that, like, serve the theme that we will keep wanting to talk about. <laughs> but this one, I think, is, like, one of my kind of favorite types of movies. And I think it's something that, like, we could definitely speak to. Um, the theme for this week is kind of, it's about changing female friendships. Yeah. So movies that are more or less kind of coming of age stories that feature women who are friends and sort of like the you know the slice of life of that or the challenges of that or whatever it is but i don't know there's a lot of movies that fall under this category yeah. we wanted to um i think we we also should should let you know here that we we recognize that there are a lot of movies we could have chosen for every category that we come up with um, but we try to find movies that just speak to it for us, like speak to the theme for us, but also things that you can find. So I know that you know, if you're at home saying like, oh, my God, there's this movie from Indonesia that would fit this perfectly. We're going to get there. But also we, you have to be able to watch it. Like, that's the whole point. We want you guys to watch movies. So for this week, my choice um, is a movie from... 1996. It's called Walking and Talking, directed by Nicole Haloff Center. I know you're busy. I know that you're having problems with Frank. I do. I know that. But you're so wrapped up in what's happening to you that you don't even know what I'm going through. Stop for a second and think of what it's like for me. That's all I want. So this movie, I got to tell you, like, I'm a huge fan of this director. I think a lot of people I know are her style of movies is very appealing to me. I mean, first of all, I like was a nineties cinema person and uh, <laughs> a nineties pictures person, <laughs> but you know, also it's like I, her style. I mean, you know, there was a lot of like female, uh, in the filmmakers in the nineties. And she was kind of, you know, one of the bigger ones and her type, her style of movies are very like slice of life. She's ma she makes really great dialogue. She writes really great characters. And this was her first film. So, um, the synopsis is really just about two friends, um, Amelia and Laura, Amelia, who is played by Catherine Keener, who is a pretty much, who was in every Nicole Holoff Center movie. Uh, she was kind of like her, um, her muse, her like the, 
leading lady for most of her movies. And then Laura's played by Anne Heche. And um, they grew up together. I would say they're probably, I would say maybe late 20s, early 30s. They're kind of like starting career, maybe like a few years outside of college. And, you know, it was clear that they were friends since childhood. Then they became roommates because they owned a cat together. And the cat's name is Big Jeans, which I think is super cute. Best Um, name. Best name for a cat. The movie is essentially about their friendship. um, And they are clearly very close. Except now Anne Heche's character is um, getting married. And uh, they live apart now. And... It's the kind of thing where you're trying to figure out what your role is now that your best friend is now in a you know relationship and is getting married and, and I would say that there the thing that I love about this movie the most I think is that it's kind of setting it up to where it says that either scenario being single or being married is like always kind of like a mixed bag. It's not perfect. Like, you know, in Catherine Keener's character and Amelia's character, you can tell she's just kind of like, doesn't really know, um, you know, what she wants in terms of romance. She kind of wants to date the video store guy, but thinks he's ugly. But then when, you know, she goes out with him, she realizes that she likes him. And then, you know, manages to fuck that shit up. But Royally. then, you know, yeah. And um, and yet, at the same time, she seems kind of comfortable with, like, being single. She's not, like, flipping out about it. I think with the Anne Hish character, you can tell she's, you know, excited to be with somebody and she's excited to be married. But it's a mixed bag for her, too. She's wondering, okay, am, is this it? Am I not going to be able to talk to men anymore? I don't know if this is for the rest of my life. So that's what I really like about the movie is that it kind of shows both sides of it. But ultimately, it is about their friendship and about sort of how you fit in after one of you changes. And I mean, there's a lot of great actors in this film. I mean, besides Catherine Keener and Anne Heche, who just have like very natural... Um, they seem like they're just naturally... F- friends i don't know if they were yeah. before the movie was shot but it was they have a great relationship um but then just also the men in the movie um todd field who plays Anne Heche's husband or fiance he's great um he's supposed to be kind of corny i think that's the message that he's like he just designs jewelry and apparently is really bad at it and um you know like but he also is a human and feels like you know he's like not the total like, archetype asshole guy, right? That's like coming yeah. to steal the friend away. Um, he's super low key, and he's also really comfortable with with Catherine Keener, and you know, like they all kind of are all three friends together in some ways. Yeah, and they, you know, to me, the the, the character that I well, there's two characters actually that I love besides um, Amelia and Laura, but it's definitely Kevin Corrigan as the video store guy. I think a lot of people remember him. (laughs) Uh, I will say from personal experience, I have worked in a video store and I've definitely known guys that read Fangoria and wear my my bloody Valentine t-shirts and I'm like... (laughs) 
They nailed him. They nailed, nailed that guy. Dude. Memorize. Oh, just happens to have memorized your phone number and your membership number. Nailed that dude. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if he was supposed to be working at like Kim's video or something, but I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like they nailed that guy to a T, right? Like, it's so enjoyable. It's enjoyable to see him. And he's like going to like taking her to the like horror uh, monster makeup conventions and shit. I mean, I'm like, oh, my God. It was nailed. a delight. He is a delight in this movie. <laughs> and I have to be completely honest with you. I find Kevin Corrigan hot. So yeah. I don't know what that means. I love actors like him. He always plays dirtbag motherfuckers like he's really good at playing like a creepy uncle or like a weird dude and mm-hmm. i love that about him and maybe it's like a steve buscemi thing where people are like you know what he's so original and he's so interesting that he's just hot to me that's how i feel about kevin corgan so i don't know what's up with that i love it i, just, I, love I had it. to I'm say it. For it but they kept yeah. calling him the ugly guy in this movie and i'm like but he's not <laughs> but then when you look at the other dude in the movie, the other well, dude right. when you look at Lee F. Schreiber, uh, who is like, I mean, goodness gracious. I'm just like, first of all, like he was like, I've watched this movie probably like 15 times. And I was like, he is hot as hell in this movie. And he's ripped his he whole, ripped like his up. arms. <laughs> he is ripped up. Yeah. And he's charming. And that's the thing, because you're going, well, he's always asking for money and he always makes poor decisions, but he's somehow like, why am I rooting for him? Why do I want them to be together? Like, I'm like, he's he's supposedly like a bum, but fuck it if he ain't cute, you know? And I didn't he's one of those people that I didn't get it until I saw him in real life. Like he was just walking down the street in New York and I was like, oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. Like very, very cute. And I like that. I like the way that they wove that they wove in these these dudes as a way to kind of um, not just exemplify, like, or kind of to draw attention to the different changing parts of the female friendship. Yeah, but also just the I don't know. It seems like these guys were additive in in their lives, and I like that. Did you ever have that scenario of like maybe it was you that was getting married, or like you, like did you ever have that moment? Of a friendship where like, I mean, I feel like I had it maybe once really early in my 20s, but then eventually it kind of just I'm like, oh, everyone gets married and I don't. So I don't give a shit anymore. But like, was that have you ever dealt with a scenario of having to be like, how are we changing and <laughs> marriage I said it in that exact voice? How, how are we, we changing? changing? <laughs> well, what was bizarre is that one of my friends got married got married and had a baby and got married because she was having a baby when I was like 20. So like right out of high school. And I'm like, okay, so that was a whole change in the situation because her whole life changed. Yeah. But I've never been in a position where like um, marriage itself changed the friendship or made me feel insecure. I think it's because a lot of my, a lot of my friends just kind of waited to get married. So it wasn't like that rush. Yeah. Like to get like, Oh, I'm in my late twenties. I got to do it. Like a lot of people just waited, but also I kind of feel like in the same way that Anne Heche's fiance in in this movie worked. um, I kind of knew all the dudes by that point. So like whoever was getting married, whether they were getting married to men or women or whatever, I felt like, well, you've been part of the cr- the club for a while. So, like, I know who you are. I at least know you're not a chump. Like, I don't need to know the intricacies of your relationship, <laughs> but yeah. you can hang. 
So it wasn't that threatening. And I also, I don't, I guess it, it's what's different for me too, is that I never wanted to get married. So I think if you yeah. put your own like spin on it, and if you're someone who really wants to get married and the people around you were all shacking up, of course, it seems like a like that could be pretty painful. Yeah. But I always thought, yeah, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, fine. But yeah, like it definitely, I didn't, it wasn't something that was like a goal. So I think that is always interesting for me to see that side of a friendship when you're like, oh, somebody wants something that you have. And I, yeah. I don't think I've ever had it that explicitly. And I don't know, do you feel like your friends got, like, you? have you ever felt that in a friendship with another woman where you're like, ah, this is changing because she's now with this person and she has changed into a different person? You know, it's interesting because I like I'm exactly like you were a lot like I had maybe one or two friends that got married early, like in early to mid 20s. Right. And for the most part, they were a little older than me anyway. And so it was that kind of thing where maybe they were just kind of on track to do it. And I and I remember actually with one of my friends, like I it was kind of the opposite issue where she was married and then was like, How come you don't call me to hang out at the and go to the bar with you anymore? I'm like, mm. uh, cause I don't cause like you got you live with a guy and you're married to the guy. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> maybe I'm the shit I'm the I'm the asshole, like apparently, because I'm not asking you to like do speed at oh, a, yeah. you know like a Britpop club or whatever. I don't know what else. To, <laughs> like that is an interesting point though, and they bring yeah. this up in the in the movie where um, Catherine Keener says, "You you used to need me when something happens to me, I tell you. When something happens to you, you tell Frank." Right. So I think that it is easy to internalize as the single person in that relationship that like you have a built in person. So yeah. if you want to hang out, maybe you're the one who has to tell me that because otherwise I'm yeah. going to assume that like you pick the person you want to wake up next to and look at for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's always such a it's real. It's real like weird. It's just it's just weird because I I get I have gotten accused of that, like from from maybe more than one person of just being like, well, you know, why did you assume that I'm like not? you don't call me because I'm married or something. But I, but I honestly feel that by and large, I mean, a lot of my married friends and especially after you have kids, it's like, they just have the priorities just change. And you're right. A lot of people and myself included, when I've been in relationships, you just kind of like disappear into another thing. Like you're just kind of like with other people, you have to consider other people. It's not just this easy breezy, like, yeah, I can just do whatever the fuck I want to do unless you have an extremely chill relationship. I mean, it's like most people though, it's like a little give and a little take. And right. It's never been easy to like navigate any of that stuff on either side. They were kind of a codependent situation right. in in walking and talking. And I think that's the stickiest part to unravel is just like the codependency and how you like get out of that in a lot of ways, you know? Ex well, exactly. Because so, ma so many female friendships are built on that notion that like we are surviving something together, whether it's right. just the experience of being girls and women or whatever it is, like we're surviving something together. And when one person is is ripped away or has ripped themselves away from that dynamic, it is a very lonely, fraught kind of situation. And I think that, I, I mean, I do feel that more 
less with marriage, but more when people have kids. Like when people have kids, then I know like we have nothing to talk about for like two years. In terms of the friendship, that's where to me like the, the, the dynamics sincerely change. So I feel like that's more of the the wedge in friendships that I see as an adult. And yeah. it's not even permanent. It's just like, I know that this is what you're going through and yeah. this is what you're you're dealing with right now. So I think that it's cool that they actually, I liked that this movie took it from the perspective of you're getting married and not, because it, it does shine the light on how close their friendship was. That, yeah. that someone could be that upset that someone's getting married. And it wasn't even about her being single or anything like that. I think it was mostly just that fear of yeah. who, who am I without you? Totally. And, you know, I, I know that it was the movie was basically written about the director and her best friend, who incidentally is um, was also or is now a therapist, but at the time was becoming a therapist. And yeah, I mean, I think that like that movie is pretty seems like it was a pretty accurate representation of like how things were back then. But I think it's really real. I think it's a really it's not like too dramatic. It's not completely over the top. It's just a simple story of like, yeah, things change and we can't live together with a cat forever like we have to grow and how do we do that and you know like what do we want out of life and you know hopefully we can continue this friendship forever you know and be healthy Uh, and the only other thing about this movie that i absolutely love and i think it's like so perfect is that billy bragg is on the soundtrack oh oh my goodness and it's like the two songs I'm a huge Billy Bragg fan, but it's like the two songs from Workers Playtime, which is literally in my top three, I would say three favorite albums of all time. Like yeah? that. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Where are the other two? Not to put you on the spot. Uh, one of them <laughs> is definitely the Rocketeens, which is an Atlanta band. <laughs> I would have to I would really have to think about the third. But Workers Playtime we'll do, we'll, is is in three. So. Awesome. We'll, we'll do a bonus episode for the other ones, but oh, yeah. I love Bill, the Billy Bragg soundtrack just instantly transported me to the 90s oh, in a my shocking God. way. In a sh- yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and it's like the perfect song. I mean, there's like, well, she's got a new spell and must I paint you a picture, which like lyrically are like perfect for what the movie's about. And I just I think it's it's such an incredible film for me. I it's one of my personal favorites. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. And um, yeah, it's I love it's it. A good I love one. that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My movie for the theme of changing female friendships is Me Without You. It was released in 2001, and the director is Sandra Goldbacher. It was always the two of us, Marina and me, best friends forever. You should dye your hair, Holly. You look like a virgin. I am a virgin, but you don't need to broadcast it. I am. So when when I thought of this category, and like we said, we had so many different options for what we could have talked about in here. Mm -hmm. But I think 
the reason I chose this movie is that it's one of the only movies, and I've seen it a dozen times, Mm -hmm. but it's one of the only movies that feels to me like it really explores the pain of friendship as well as more than even i would say the the joys and the glory of friendship so i feel like we it's a side of friendship that i just so rarely see represented in film which is that that desperation and the way that friends can be such a big part of your heart but also the biggest source of your pain and there's only like a particular moment in your life where that friendship is allowed to flourish and it's usually when you're in your Pre-teens and teens, right? Mm-hmm. So, I just wanted to take a look at at this, and it's and it's a movie that I feel like I don't. It's 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 under it's underrepresented in most categories because I think that the the cast is great. So you've got Anna Friel playing Marina, um, white Michelle Williams is playing Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying white Michelle Williams. By the way, she's pulling off a great subtle British accent. Uh, the film is set. And a, a synopsis of the film, I guess, would be that it is it's a it's a movie about the story of a friendship between these two girls who have been neighbors and friends um, their whole lives. And it takes place in the 70s and 80s and it sprawls both decades. So we're kind of starting in like 72, I want to say. You know, they've lived next door to each other their whole lives. So they have we're coming in on their friendship at a moment where it's very tender. But you can see as kids the distinctive personalities that they have. Totally. And you can you can also see, which I love in this kind of film, too, is that this is really a film about how when you're that close to a friend, you are also by default close to or in the proximity of everyone in their family. Yes. Oh, my so God. So you 100%. just like, you know, the parents situation, you know, the siblings and the sibling part is what really um drives a lot of the a lot of this movie as well. Um so you've got Oliver Milburn who plays oh my gosh. <laughs> who plays Marina's brother, Nat. And I I love Oliver Milburn. I mean, he is such a great actor in general and he also yeah. he has a bit part on one of my favorite UK comedy shows. Um, it was a show called Green Wing. He mm-hmm. has such a small part, but he is so hilarious in that show. You have to go find it and watch it. It is available on every platform. But his yeah, I, face. I, I, oh. I know that you are like a big British television fan, and I'm I'm I love it, but I had never heard of him outside of this movie. I didn't know if he was in anything else. So I only know him as Nat. Oh, you're so I, lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky. <laughs> I'm like he is so fucking cute. I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. You can tell from the from an early age that Holly and Nat have a connection mm-hmm. and they just like being around each other. And he's part of their friendship and he's part of their lives. Um, and he's older. He's a little bit older. So it's kind of got that allure of like, oh, there's this one scene when they show um, the girls when they're kind of like the preteens you know, like a year or two after we first see them, um, they show <laughs> they show them in their like early teens, and she's looking through her bedroom window across at him in his bedroom, just listening to Reckless Eric on his bed. Oh my god, I love in it. under like tidy whities just dick flopping, just doing his thing. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, you have good taste. You have I mean, good taste. he is like 
kind of my dream guy. So like ex-punk rocker, but like mm-hmm. well read. He's like you can tell that there's like a soulfulness to him that is like a depth to him that he's like you know, not about the bullshit type of guy. He reads crime and punishment in bed. Give me a fucking break. Give me I'm a just break. like, oh, oh, and, and he's like, kind. He's nice. He's yeah. not like you're shitty little kids. He's like, I see you as people. Yeah. And I'm nice to you. <laughs> I can see why Holly like was all about that shit. So and it's and that again, to me, in terms of like the changing female friendship, the thing that was interesting to me about this movie as well is that I kept questioning, is this friendship is this a friendship built around men or disrupted by them yeah because they have their own thing going on like they're each their own people and holly's kind of mousy and quiet and she's it's that's instilled in her from a young age even from her mom that like well some people are are smart and some people are pretty and she clearly thinks like marina's pretty you're smart but that doesn't do justice to either one of them yeah and you know and it's i think marina there's like there's a lot going on with marina obviously there's a lot of issues there and i think that the the movie is a lot about how friends navigate men how women are almost like by design by patriarchy's design Mm -hmm. they're supposed to fight each other for men And they're supposed to be territorial and they're supposed to find value in their attractiveness towards men. And that is, I think, a huge component of female friendships in general. Um, And I wouldn't say just female friendships, but a lot of friendships where men are desiring whoever it is. You know what I mean? And it's it's. It's tough because you can tell that, I mean, just throughout the movie, like, yeah, it's just a constant theme that comes up. And Marina is got a lot of issues with oh, around Marie, around men as marina you know. was was born a bomb like yeah. she is just a born a ticking time bomb and a lot of the issues of their friendship come through in men but are really about her and her yeah. brokenness and her sadness which is why i really i like that we got to see the families so much yeah. because you could see very clearly well this is the map of how they learn to love and their love is so needy. Both Marina and Nat have a very needy kind of love. And they make horrible decisions as a result, <laughs> as a result of that. But yeah, that she is just, it, it, this movie is so hilarious in so many interesting ways to me. Like that, that scene where they are going to this party dressed in actual garbage bags and marina is like got hers tight and belted it looks like a dress and it's got a slit and michelle white michelle williams is literally wearing a garbage bag <laughs> like she's just wearing a sack bag and this is a moment of such tenderness because it's about virginity and sex and you know marina's like i'm gonna do everything and for her everything includes doing heroin in a garbage bag and (laughs) you're so right about that she is just doing the most and then holly's like you know what this is great i'm just gonna have like she has this beautiful romantic kind of loss of her virginity and marina's is a disaster yeah but her way of dealing with it is to take it out on her friend and kind of take it out on her brother and her friend having this this closeness and it's just it's very interesting to me because i think that as much as this this movie is infiltrated by men, um, and we we are going to talk about Kyle MacLachlan, 
Yes, we who are. needs to calm all the way down in this movie? <laughs> He's a perfect jerkbag. <laughs> he also this so many so many moments where the, we're gonna watch a lot of movies. I think where we're just gonna find a lot of classic movie fuckboys, and yeah. Colin McLaughlin is one of them. I know it's like, and we got a classic movie fuckboy count in this movie. Yeah, it's gonna come up again and again. We're gonna have like like I'm just scratching into my wall jam yeah. style like the slashes. It's gonna be like fucking slashes all over. Yeah, <laughs> but he so there's there's this this real by the time the, that men are coming into their life in a sexual way or in a way that's kind of you know makes them really heightens the situations of the friendship there's already so much there that they have to work on and it really this is again like one of those friend or foe friendships that i don't really have too much relationship with like i don't don't have a lot of relationships like this i think it's when, when you have a friendship that's built on the fear of losing one another or losing yourself or not knowing yourself that it's it just seems like this was a more it just I guess it seemed like this is a more volatile relationship than it was a good one. Like there are very few moments where I'm like, they're good friends. Like they should definitely be friends. And then that just makes me question do are these the kind of friendships that should run their course and then you're done with it? And usually there are markers in life that kind of help you shed those friendships, like marriage or college or moving. Yeah. I have had a friendship like this um, when I was young and when I was, yeah. you know, like kind of their age, it's sort of like that garbage bag period. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like I had I would say that I mean, not to like put myself into the movie or anything, but I was definitely the Holly character Same where girl. I was I was friends with a more kind of conventionally beautiful like magnanimous like kind of popular-ish girl who i think needed me to play a role Mm -hmm. in a lot of the friendship which is unfortunate but it happens i see how it happens i think it's a a lot of times there's people who just can can only function in very like can, like in relationships where they know where they stand because it's not fun to not know where you stand with your friends or whoever and i think that in the for, in the movie marina can count on holly to be the one that she can dump on and that right. she'll always be there it's like she's just sort of like i can i can make her humiliate her and make her feel like shit and she'll never leave because we're just so tightly bonded and i you know i can project all my issues onto her and she she won't budge and you know sometimes especially in female friendships there's like there is a competition there is especially when you get to a certain age and like there's guys around and it's like you know and i think that was the case for me was that it was that like suddenly the guys enter the picture and then you wanted like your own experiences and you weren't able to get them or no i think it was more just sort of like like why didn't i have this like kind of cavalier uh attitude towards guys and dating and why was i being such a prude or why was i being overly cautious about what i did like why why wasn't i doing heroin in a garbage bag you know it's like that kind of thing where i was put in that place all the time where i'm like you know why do i give it a second thought you know whereas my friend was very wild and was doing lots of drugs and you know you know basically sleeping around and was you know like 
kind of like, why don't we do this together? And I'm like, because I don't do that. You know what I mean? And I just felt kind of like, yeah, I just felt kind of like a little bit embarrassed by it from her. But I also understood why she did it. She ultimately had a lot of problems herself. And that's not saying that, you know, a person who does that has problems all the time. But, you know, just in that that friendship. Yeah, it will. Exactly. And I think that's that is what's fascinating to me, because I think in any friendship or in any relationship, if it's. If it's predicated on the idea that you stay who you are, that is not a friendship that's going to last. Yeah. You know, like if there's not room for growth or evolution for either part. And the the connective tissue of friendships when you're younger is everything is the same. We go to the same school. We know yeah. the same people. We ha- Everything's the same. We're eating the same lunch. <laughs> like it's yeah. all the same. So if you get to a point where like you want to do heroin in a garbage bag and <laughs> I want to stay at home and like read plays, that yeah. d- that is an offensive move in your yeah. youth like it's it's an offense almost to the friendship because it's like why are we not doing all the same things all the time now right. i don't feel like i know you as much right so that's like really interesting to me that you had that kind of friendship so what's your take then on the daniel character so daniel is kyle mclaughlin and mm-hmm. he plays this like teacher at their college because i guess they're in the college years now who's this like haughty french philosophy professor or something he just out the gate was like let's let me talk let me speak about bull bull in french and then make some jokes about adam ant and then go get a beer with you guys like take it down a notch dude that that guy the um, american hottie professor cool guy but they they both go for him well, let's just say this. Holly, you can tell it's like this guy's up my alley because he's deep and sensitive and he's an intellectual and that's my guy. Marina, though, I, she does she want the challenge? Does she want the attention? Like, what's your take on why they both ended up sleeping with the guy, essentially? Yeah, I think I think with Marina, it was really vindictive, like straight up vindictive. But there's a part of her of this character that feels like so hurt to me that yeah. she she knows what she's doing, but she's so selfish in that need for love that she doesn't care that she's doing it. Um, yeah. And I think she that really she, she. Yeah. And I think that she also and this is just kind of my quick read on it, like. She talks about how men are scum. She was wearing that shirt that says, I hate men, which I'm like, can I have that shirt? I want that shirt. (laughs) Me too, right? Uh, And, you know, and it's clear, like, throughout, like, when you learn about their family, the dad is like a total, like, come and go guy. And and in her mind, I think that she is kind of trying to sell Holly on the idea that men suck and that she should not be in relationships with them. She will do every Marina will do everything she can to sabotage the relationships, even the one with her brother, um, mostly the one with her brother, I would say. And then right to the end of where Holly's just going to not ever date and then be, you know, be there for Marina. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, That I felt that so strongly as well, that she's just, there was so much of her sabotage that was just built around this notion of, see, I told you so. Yeah. And not realizing her, her own part in hurting Holly and in right. hurting her friend. So it was kind of the ultimate lesson, the ultimate example, but in the worst possible way and with the worst possible sacrifice. And it, it really, it's just, 
I, I just love movies like this so much. And they also have that kind of, and Walking and Talking had this too. Like, I like seeing the secret language of friendship. Yeah. So in Walking and Talking where she's like, oh, I ordered for you. Like knowing your friend's order or like in this movie, <laughs> there are so many like secret language things. Like we're in a bath together smoking a cigarette while my parents are duking it out downstairs. Like I just, I love that kind of shit because that's the real, again, like that tender connective tissue of friendships that those are the parts that solidify friendships without you even knowing it. Yeah. Although I've never taken a bath with my friend. Have you? I've never done that. Okay. Am I, am I, I didn't do that. I don't take baths with people. I didn't either. I mean, I I was a little wild. I got to admit, I had some wild, wild ass friends, but I never, I mean, I think the only time I ever was in a bath, like a bathroom with somebody like in a shower was when like my friend vomited on herself and I was trying to like help her out. But I never took like, I never took a, a full-on bath with someone and i certainly never i certainly never smoked a cigarette from my friend's foot (laughs) (laughs) you're like not sober not sober i've never (laughs) done a foot cigarette sober oh lord but that is like so wild to me we're like i guess i guess when you grow up with someone and you have that closeness like you're not ashamed of your body i don't know i learned body shame really early i guess oh me I too just, girl i was catholic so you know, I know. <laughs> there was none of this happen. like will i strip down now in front of anyone and everyone of course i have to check that i'm wearing pants when i go out and get my mail because <laughs> there's just so much of my life right now where i'm not wearing clothing but not with my friends i don't know i just don't have a body closeness with a lot of my friends yeah yeah, I'm definitely a hugger, but I just I never yeah. went to full on naked in sharing the same bath water with someone. <laughs> so I mean, I guess we all have room to room to grow, <laughs> places to go. I oh think I think we're definitely gonna gonna revisit this category, and I think that it's um I don't know do you, I I really do movies like this hit differently at this point in our lives? Like, do you think that these are both movies that we've both seen a bunch of times? But I remember feeling like. Um, when I first saw Walking and Talking, I was like a teenager, basically. And I remember feeling like these people, like they all suck in their own way. (laughs) Like this guy sucks. Like all these guys suck in some way, except for Frank. Um, but now (laughs) I kind of feel like, oh yeah, like I can see how relationships are self-sabotage and I can see how friendships are changing and evolving and I don't know. I just feel like I feel very grateful to be at this point in my life and have gone through so much with so many of my friends and we've come out on the other side of it. And, you know, friendships with women, having friendships with each other is important. I think it's really it enhances it's enhanced my life to have so many close female friendships. Last year for my for my birthday, um, I went to Amsterdam and I took two of my oldest friends with me and we had like we stayed on a houseboat, but we booked I wanted to do a canal cruise like really badly. And these are both of my friends have like families and kids and it was like a really nice getaway for them, um, but a real way for us to kind of connect in a very middle age style. Yes. And so we booked ourselves like we booked this canal cruise. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so great. And we got on this boat and after like 10 minutes we're just sitting there at the dock waiting and this guy comes and he's like oh um are you this party like you're supposed to be on this other boat and we're like oh okay because we thought we're gonna have like you know we booked like a wine a wine cruise yes so we hop on this other boat and it's like it's all couples it is all we booked inadvertently booked ourselves on a romantic cruise like sunset cruise through the Amsterdam canals. They were playing like Lady in Red. I mean, it was oh like my goodness. 
they had wine, they had cheese, they had all this, and we had the best time because I'm like, this, our friendship is a different level of romance in a way. We're mm-hmm. like, we are close and fun and it's just so, it was hilarious and it was just one of my favorite moments of life where like I was just on a romantic canal cruise with two of my closest friends. That's so amazing. <laughs> And it was awesome. It was awesome. But I do, I, yeah, female friendships are hugely important and changing female friendships as we get older. I think that I'm just excited to see where it goes. Like I want to be on a porch with gray hair, like a Holly Hunter in, um, what was that? Top of the lake. Yeah. (laughs) Like a severe gray (laughs) with all of my friends just sitting on a porch talking shit. Like imagine. Imagine no. what it's going to be like in like 20, 30 years. Yeah, I hope that the world exists in 20 or 30 years. But when it does, I'm definitely not dying my hair. And we can all, <laughs> you know, trade paperback romance novels, to knock on each other's trailers and yes. uh, live out in the desert. And um, I'm down for that. So one one thing that we are very much looking forward to doing is fielding your questions for Millie about film programming. And that could take the shape of what I've got a party coming up that I want to show a couple of movies. Which one should I pick to how did you get into film programming? Why did you pick this movie for TC? No, I'm kidding. Don't ask her why she picked Don't. particular <laughs> movies for TC. I answer that question all day. <laughs> Don't do it. She, she, she still gets handwritten letters from people asking her those questions. True. But if you, but if you want to ask and send your questions um, to I saw what you did pod at Gmail, um, then Millie will will help you help you get your movie fixed together with your friends and your family. Because you don't know. You don't know what your Aunt Verna wants to watch. People always are like, oh my God, this sex scene came on and I was so uptight. And I'm like, my grandmother used to fall asleep watching Cinemax, like porn. So it's fine. <laughs> like, But some people don't like that. Some people yeah. don't want to watch porn with their grandparents. <laughs> Listen, I, that shit just happened the, literally two nights ago with me and my mom. We were watching some movie where Kate Winslet and um, some hot, guy patrick something it was like a movie where they were uh naked and having sex in a laundry room and my mom did the whole thing where she went what is this what is this a what is this a porno like what is this and i was literally looking at my phone pretending to not be in the situation because i was like i don't even Oh my god! I'm like 42 years old, and I'm having the same thing happen to me. As I mean, I was just like looking at my phone, going like, "What? What are you talking about?" I'm looking at Twitter. (laughs) I'm only listening to the movie. That's how we would consume movies: is you listen to them. Oh, that is the best. Millie will help you with all of your film programming needs and questions. So send us an email, and we've got um, we've got uh, one now that we can can read for you, and that Millie can help you with. Yeah, well, I think our producer Lauren is going to come on and maybe uh, re- grab something from the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my question for you that I'm totally pulling from a mailbag right now <laughs> is I like horror movies, but I would also like to find something to watch with my mother who does not like horror movies. Do you have any ideas? Okay. Hmm. Why you want to scare your mama? So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why don't we just like talk to your grandma again? She can just tell you why you should be watching horror movies. Yeah, I will give you I will give your mom my grandma's number and she will have a list for her by the end of the week. Yeah. 
here's what I have to say. I think that when it comes down to moms, maybe in particular, I think that they are averse to like gore and, um, you know, like the slasher element to some horror. I think if you take it down a notch and just go the thriller route, if you went like psychological thriller, I think that's a good meeting point because it's scary, but it's not bloody normally, unless you're watching like some crazy, you know, uh, genre mashup thing. But if you take it to like a thriller level, I think that that's the good meeting point. And I don't know how old your moms are. Um, I don't know if they're into older movies. I would maybe go the Hitchcock route if they're in. If they're a little older, maybe a Hitchcock, like um, you know, maybe something with Cary Grant. That he seems to razzle the moms a little bit. Um, or if they're a little younger, if they're like you know my age or something. <laughs> which is entirely possible. I would go for like a 70s or 80s, maybe even 80s or early even even early 90s like um like a copycat or a sleeping with the enemy starring Julia Roberts, like something like that. Um that I think is like a good medium. It's like scary and not v- super duper violent. And uh, you know, I think that's a good a good angle. Uh, that would be the good meeting point. Good thriller about like uh, either like a prank phone call or um, some kind of devious husband or uh, yeah, like a like a stalker maybe, but um, a sexy stalker maybe like a Brian De Palma maybe a little too much for your mom, but you know something like that. That's my suggestion for you and your mom. I'm I'm not a film programmer, but you know what I'm going to suggest. What? Ernest Ernest goes to camp. (laughs) (laughs) There are terrifying elements to Ernest goes to camp. Those teeth, first and foremost. Yeah. Like that 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 camera. That cinematic universe has moments that are just bone chilling in my (laughs) mind. So (laughs) Oh, that was awesome. I can't wait to get more questions for Millie. I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. And that's it. Do, do we want to give them? Um, do we want to give them the movies for next week, but not tell them the theme and let them guess? Why don't you guess? Why don't you hit us up on our Instagram, on our Twitter, and tell us what you think the theme is going to be based on the movies we're going to give you? Yeah. So our Twitter is I saw Pod I is the letter I S A W P O D, and I believe that's the Instagram too, right? It is indeed. Okay. And then our email address again, if you wouldn't mind. I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. So the movies for next week are Robert Altman's Three Women from 1977 and Clute from 1971, directed by Alan J. Pecula. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to tell you guys the theme, but let's see if you can guess it first and watch these awesome movies. And thank you, Danielle, for coming with your movie this week. It was so great to watch that again. I had such a great time watching Walking and Talking again, and it really, it made me feel good in a way that I wasn't expecting, because I have a cold, bitter heart. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Lauren Elizabeth Brown. 
Our engineer is Katie Levine. Our social media assistant is Taryn Matza. Our theme songs by Tom Bry Fogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at iSawPod. And please listen, subscribe, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. <laughs>